Paisano. Welcome to the multiverse. <laughs> What's up in the multiverse, dude? Man, out here making some moves, getting things done. I was just spreadsheeting it up earlier, which um, you know usually doesn't get me out of bed in the morning. Important. I've, I've certainly grown in my appreciation of numerical manipulation, forecasting, spreadsheeting over time. But I've been doing a lot of work lately, and I'm just jumping into it by the way, but I've been doing a lot lately. I've had a couple of team members that have been elevated and were not hired as management, but are stepping into management kind of positions. And something about that leverage where like the same task, if you're going to do it and you have to, you know, that you have to do a hundred percent of what's involved has a very different flavor than being involved. If you know you only have to do 20%, somebody's going to carry the the next 80% and you really trust them to do a great job. So I've just, I've got some wind in my sales in a couple of key areas where we were lagging due to having some team members step up. So that's really energizing and invigorating for me, man. That's huge. Yeah. So you can take on more or maybe better tasks and then also just take stuff off your plate and, uh, gives you confidence, right? Yeah. I think I like, I can commit to some tasks that might've been unpleasant otherwise, knowing that somebody else is going to, there's going to be that baton handoff, you know? So it's kind of, it's energizing. Nice. What do you think about the, the fact, like I look at it like sometimes if someone maybe isn't even ready or I, they, I'm not sure if they're going right. to sink or swim, it's like, this is the person like I'm not getting rid of this person and uh, you know, this person's important to me. And so um, you know, we're going to sink or swim by you. And usually they rise to the occasion. Oh man. I love seeing that. I'm so with you seeing people step up where it's uncertain. It's not obvious they can do it, but you have that feeling. I feel like ownership is attitudinal, not skill set driven and the skill set competencies can grow when the desire for, for it is there. So totally. Yeah. So with you. Have you dived into leadership strategy and tactics yet? Oh, uh, nope. I bought it, have not started. Why don't you uh bring me up to speed and and kind of pre-sell it for me so I can hit play on that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> a little bit of uh pre-story. So in my company, I think I told you this. Uh, I caused, I started causing a lot of problems in my sales and marketing department in, in particular, <laughs> like they, they came to me and were like, Hey, we don't think, and these are like two of my like key people that I had thought I had a great relationship with. Like, we don't feel like you take our ideas seriously. We, um, you know, you're constantly changing things. Um, one of them told me like, you know, you made a, you made a huge shift. I, I had made a big shift on a strategic decision, like out of nowhere, and they were like, I just like, don't, I don't feel confident. Like, I was like, what do you like, do you know what you're doing <laughs> type thing? And, uh, I took it all in and, uh, I was like, yeah, I told, like, if you guys are telling me this, like I totally, I take it, you know, it's, it's a real thing. So, um, which so, is and- cool, cool by the way, that they feel the space to tell you that. Cause let's be honest, that's happening at plenty of companies where it's just not being said. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And it kind of had to like business slowed down a little bit because of COVID and other, other issues, not just COVID, but we slowed down a bit. And so everyone was kind of stressed and weren't hitting targets. And I was like, make, I was adding to it, but, um, leadership strategy and tactics was super timely because 
it has a bunch of stuff in it, but some of the, the main, uh, things that I got the most out of it in this situation was, um, leading from the back. So letting them create the plan. The problem was I was ramming the plan down their throat mm. and when they don't, and then, but the also, the thing is they were also in charge of growth. So like if they didn't hit sales numbers or marketing lead numbers, it was on them, but yet I was forcing the plan down their throat. And so, um, Jocko Willenick talks about how it's so important that you let them create the plan. If you have the right people, they should be creating the plan. Mm. Um, you know, if you see holes in their plan, a really top level leader is going to be able to like talk them through that and ask questions so that they figure out like the holes themselves. Uh, but that was one really big thing where I was like, yeah, like it doesn't even make sense. How can you be in charge of growth or leads or whatever? But I'm, I'm throwing the strategy at you, you know? I love so that, that, man. Yeah, that was a big one. That, that I think maybe I mentioned on this last episode. I don't know if I did. I'll mention it again because it was it's worth repeating. A coach and mentor of Danny's I was talking to, and he framed this coaching question of when you're interacting with someone, that it's okay if they're not meeting, if they're not hitting target, they're not up to snuff, and there's some remedial conversations happening, that you when they say, well, I don't know what's wrong. Like, I don't know what the gaps are. You don't have to give them the answers. It's okay to say, if you don't know, you may not be a fit for this role. Like if you're not capable of generating the answers without my handholding and me being the genius and you being one of my thousand helpers, that maybe this just isn't a fit. Now, obviously that's not at all stages without the company, but certainly folks in more of a leadership capacity they need to be the ones coming up with the ideas dude i'm dealing with that right now the thing i was just telling you about that mm -hmm. spreadsheet i'm working on part of me is like take it all the way the other part of me is like you know what you 80 percented it hand it off tell them what needs to happen you know months need to be broken into weeks it needs to be tied to the bigger forecast blah 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 i, just, I think i think i'm gonna go that route so thank yeah. you you just you just saved me some effort <laughs> for sure man and the co-creation part like that doesn't mean i'm completely out of the planning I'm just a member of the team now. And so like, you know, I give ideas and, uh, you know, I, but I, I but I, I usually let them like take the ball. I'll, I'll use language like, all right, here's my 80% or here's my, like, here's some ideas, but like do what you think is best. Now, if it's a very high level strategic, like for instance, um, we were picking our kind of like our USP, like what's like the one sentence kind of like, What's our value prop? Like, what do we do in a, in a nutshell? Like, that's really important to me. And I have like strong feelings about that. And so I was like really involved in that process. And like, I had them tweak it a bunch, but like everything else executing that, like, unless I feel really strongly about something, I don't change it. Mm -hmm. um, just because I'd rather have them own it, see the results. And if they work great. And if they don't work, that's also feedback for them. And it lets them sink or swim on their own. That's what, that's what you and I are doing, man. <laughs> yeah how so oh you broke up for a minute there uh did you say how so yeah well i mean this feedback is that's that's all we have you know we make decisions and feedback comes in and we can either use it and adapt or not i was reading last night about the concept of the dunning kruger effect which describes the situation where you're incompetent but you think you're competent, which is actually dramatically worse than just being incompetent. The lack of self-awareness can compound the struggle 
And so in my life, a lot of my progress has looked like letting go of what I thought I knew, being okay, knowing less, adding some pragmatism to my life, but also just realizing that there's progress and gains that I want and I don't have it, which either means that I can't have it and I'm capped out or there are things that I'm doing and changes that I need to make. So mistakes, errors, revelations, those just bring me closer to my goal. So yeah. I, w- I want to see that, that willingness and I want to make space for other people to have that willingness as well, which means that it can't be this heavy handed, like kind of guilt laden disappointment when people make mistakes. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like it reminds me of beginner's mind where one of the mm-hmm. big reasons I have a lot of confidence right now is we started working with this um, consultant and uh, she's for like my, my leadership team to help kind of develop them and, and help them build, like optimize the people and the processes. So she actually just runs EOS level tens and does quarterlies, but she like also helps with systems. So if there's like places to plug in, but anyway, super smart. Um, and, uh, it's funny, like she was, she has an MBA, right? She's like, she's smart. Like she's been around, like she does this, like, because she enjoys helping startups now. Like she's mm-hmm. like done with her career. And, um, she's like telling us about, I, I don't remember what, I think it was like about reviews, like our operations manager responds to reviews. And she's like, yeah, I think that's more of like Adam's job. And Adam was like, who's like our sales guy in marketing. And she, and he's like, um, yeah, but here's why Gail, like this doesn't make sense. And he like, let me explain like what's, what, what, why like this works in our company. And then she, and then she's like, yeah, but I still feel like it's something like you'd be better at doing. And he's like, I wasn't clear enough. She's like, no, I heard you. <laughs> like, I understand what you're saying. Like, but we think, and when, when, before we hired her, we, we didn't hire her for level 10 meetings running them because we're like, oh, we got this. Like, like, we, yeah, we just need you for the quarterly. And now that she's come in, we're like, we're a mess. We're like, we had two people leave. We're like, Oh, we need help. She's like, Oh, I thought you guys had it all together. And like, it wasn't, it wasn't until like, um, just like seeing someone that operates at a higher level coming in and like blowing us up. Oh, did it, did it actually like become self-evident that no, we don't know what we, we don't know as much as we think we know. And I told everyone on the team, like, we really need to see beginner's mind when we're working with her. Mm. We don't have to take everything that she says and do everything she says, but like, we obviously don't know what we're doing. Like, you know, we're, we're, we had two people leave and we're like a mess. So like, we're obviously not like where we need to be. Like you shouldn't have two people leave and it's like a scramble. Right. So did you feel like those things were unrelated or related to her showing up? What, like, uh, what do you mean? Like the people departing and feeling like it's chaotic. Like, do you feel like that her presence kind of forced out some underperformers or? Oh yeah. Good question. No, they were, it was unrelated. One, we had to let go just cause they weren't working out. Um, they just weren't, you know, hitting, they just weren't able to do the job as well as we needed. And then the second one was just like sudden it was just like, Hey, I have to like move out of state like today. See ya. <laughs> like, we were like, okay. So, uh, yeah. I love that you're using that resource though, man. That's really inspiring what you're describing. I, Oh man, that's like super relatable to me. So, so EOS, let's park on that. Um, hopefully if you're listening to this, you have some concept of what that is. I'm just going to assume that's the case. Basic framework for running your company, meeting cadence, et cetera. Uh, the other day I was on the phone with one of my business partners and I said that I think we're probably using 60% of it. So we're not doing five by fives. Um, 
we're not doing, we're not using GWC, um, people analyzer, et cetera. So there's that, but then there's also like the stuff that we are using, I think we could tighten up uh, in specifically in the ongoing weekly level tens, like what's changed? Like what, what about that has changed or, or improved? Yeah, totally. So we were like, no, we don't need anyone for level tens. We're like, we bang through all of our issues. Everything's great and no issues. So um, the biggest change is it's by the book. Like you actually have to, like when you set it to do or a rock, it actually has to make sense. Like we'll be like, oh, uh, blow up uh, the marketing department or like, you know, like <laughs> use this like jargon and it like, <laughs> like doesn't make any sense. So like, and I've always told my operations manager, Dave, he, he always wants to speed through all the issues. And I'm always like, no, if we get like one good issue and really solve it well, it's a successful day. So now he's kind of having to like get used to the new norm, which is like we do one or two issues like in a 90 minute meeting. Like, mm. and it's really cool because what we used to do is we'd say, here's the issue. Me and Dave would like talk more than anyone. And then Adam would talk because he likes to talk. Then like probably the two smartest people in Italian Grace like would talk the least, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we would just monopolize it, come up with the issue. Now, now what you do is when someone brings an issue, like let's say I bring the issue, I state the issue and then everyone gets to go around one at a time. So like now Grace, who doesn't talk that much because she's kind of reserved, gets to talk for every issue. Mm. And it's really, and it's like really like when people that don't talk a lot talk, they tend to say profound things. So everyone gets to talk. And then the person that brought the issue gets to ultimately decide what to do. So they go, okay, I've heard everything. I've heard all you guys out. This is, what are you going to do, Steve? This is your issue. What are you going to do? And you go and you solve it. So, wow. Yeah. It's like, interesting. It, there's a lot of nuance to it. Um, and um, just like, just discipline, like Jocko talks about it in his book, like taking out the trash, like the little stuff, like um, she'll, she'll make us read our to-do at the end and make us read the, um, the, the rock completely. And it's just like something like we weren't doing it. And she was like, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to work with you guys. If you don't like you, there's a reason you do this. Like you stay disciplined, you read it out. So that way anyone can hear it and, and make sure it's accurate. And if it ever needs to be updated. So it's just like little, little things like that, that um, are just making the meeting, I think just a lot more um, effective. Tell me what you think about this. Do you think that with something like, EOS, there's danger in the middle ground, meaning EOS isn't about taking, telling you about what decisions to make. It's just a framework. But if you adopt the framework all the way, you get full benefit. And if you adopt it, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think I've been in, in danger of bastardizing it and like saying I'm using it in names. So I'm getting like the, the badge and the sticker and the confidence of like, yeah, we use it. But it's easy to be sloppy and to gloss over certain things. So that's uh, I want to I want to get a name and some details offline because I'm, I'm I'm interested in in stepping it up. And, and okay, another thing is is it just leadership for you or the whole company? Who's in that level ten? So it's just leadership in this level ten. How many bodies? Uh, there is five. Okay, so that still is enough for a healthy discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I to what you said, I agree. So like people that tell me they implement on their own 40% effectiveness. Like if that there's no way you do more than 40% if you're implementing on your own, it's just like, there's no way because I just, I mean, even if you're the most analytical person, 
the benefit of having an outsider here, like everyone's BS and like, just like see what's going on. Like if they have any business acumen, um, they can easily like help navigate the conversation. Like I remember one quarterly, I decided I was just going to run it. So I was like, dude, we've been doing like this. We had this, let this other guy go just cause he was, he was great. But it, we had like done three years with them. We felt like yeah. move on new, new blood. Yeah. And so the quarterly I ran it and it was like the worst meeting. <laughs> I ran the quarter, like I had the EOS framework and like, but I'm not good at running meetings and <laughs> it's just not my unique ability. It's also just like the objectivity. When you somebody reporting your BS, that to me is a ton of value. So being around somebody else that is not less value to me. Did I cut out there? Yeah, sorry, man. Say again. Yeah. Being around somebody that is not invested in rationalizing and enabling my own story has added a lot of value in my life. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, give me an example. Just, I think that what it looks like in uh, an example is not coming to mind, but what it looks like in practice is when somebody says things like, "Is that is that true?" Rather than like the uh, like nodding your head, like the default is like I'm nodding the head to what to what you're saying. It's like I'm going to take in that information. I'm going to assess it. If it makes true, I'll agree. But if not, I'm happy to push back. It's it's helpful to have somebody question my defaults because they're not shared between us. Yeah. Is there anyone on your team that you butt heads with or that questions your default settings? Um, it depends on the organization, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. So in one company, everybody is on the level 10 and it feels like it's working. In another company, uh, everybody had been on the level 10 and we're shifting away from that. And it felt like it, it wasn't working in another company. It's just, it's just leadership. I, I it's kind of hard to answer. I'd say it's all over the map, oh. but there's, there's gotta be mutual respect. So it's a combination of somebody questioning the defaults, but it also being somebody that I respect. And to be honest, like for me, sometimes I think that can be challenging if it's a, um, a team member versus somebody that's outside and is like explicitly in that position. Yeah, for sure. This other thing that uh, Jocko's book really helped with, and I want to get your take on this, is uh, taking out the trash and um, doing, so like he, he uses this example of, I don't remember the exact story, but essentially his boss was like taking out the trash and like they, he, he noticed that. And it kind of just means like, you never, even as the leader, like you should get there first, leave last, take out the trash. Like sh not, it doesn't mean you take out the trash every day, but like, you're not above taking the trash out. Mm -hmm. And I really lost sight of that, to be honest. Like I, and this is, I think a danger of unique ability in my opinion is that you, I got so like, just like obsessed with like, oh, I, I, every second of my day has to be like me just doing like the most optimal thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I don't think true leaders do that. Like now I'm not knocking the system. I probably wasn't working it correctly, but, um, like now I'm quick to jump in and be like, oh, I'll take that. 
like, or I'll do this or I'll wipe down the kitchen or, you know, all like the little things. Cause I think good, great leaders do do that. What do you think? Yeah. You know, we had this conversation last time and that, that what you said really is stuck in, in my head, partly because I am so invested in the idea of unique ability. One thing that came up for me is I think about capability expansion, how important that is. Dan Sullivan obviously talks a lot about that. So how do, how do you think about cutting your teeth on new capabilities? Cause that is like, I feel like you can stay in UA and expand your capabilities, but expanding your capabilities, I wouldn't say it's, it's easy. Like it should feel like there is exertion. Does that kind of jive with what you're thinking about UA? Yeah. So you're saying like you personally getting more capabilities. So adding more tools to your personal tool belt or the team? No, me, me personally, but in the process of me doing that, it doesn't look like always like easy, pleasurable work. Like there's like strain and, and exertion, right. you know? Right. Well, I think in true unique ability that wouldn't, you wouldn't have that. Like from what I understand, like you wouldn't, like it's all stuff that you enjoy. Now there's a, there's a facet of it of like, it's maybe a new venture. Like you're applying it to a new, you know, idea or something to where like you're, you're have to, having to build, build like confidence and push through like commitment and courage. But um, that's how I always understood it. Like if I'm not enjoying myself right now, I'm doing the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, I'm sure like Dan Sullivan could clarify some nuance there. The way I think about it is let's say it was like um, dancing. I've never done it before. I'm horrible at it. But is this something that I have a fundamental disposition? Do I enjoy it even while I'm learning? And do I have a disposition toward this such that I know I could be good? That to me seems like an expansion of pursuing an expansion of my UA. Whereas if I try dancing and I enjoy it, but it's just obvious that I suck at this and I'm never going to be any good, you know, that, that may fall outside of expanding UA. Yeah. So uh, still a huge believer in UA. It's changed my life. It's just with a, a slight nuance now, at least in my head, that <clears throat> it's not always, if I'm doing something out of unique ability, if it's helping, it's, if it's building up, me as a leader or me showing leadership, that is my unique ability because one of my unique abilities is leading. And so um, <clears throat> if it's taking out the trash or if it's like doing like, here's another example he gives, which I love. He says, if like people don't want to do something, say, I'll do it. And it hits their ego. Like people, so like we were kicking something around by email the other day and I was like, I'll do it. Like no one wanted to do it. I was like, I'll do it. I GWC it. You know, I get it. I want it. I got the capacity. Nice. And, um, and I don't know, I just think that's what I would want my leader to do. I love that dude. I'm all about that. Yeah. Separate from, from UA, just showing up. I think we, I talked at one point about this, this book, I look at the name of it, this book that was a aggregation of all of the most captain class. This guy looked at the most successful sports teams in all of history, across all sports, across all leagues, to try and understand what the common pattern was. And there were so many different variables and things it could have been, but what he distilled it down to was the captain and not how athletic or talented the captain was, but how much, what was the degree to which the captain was willing to throw his heart and soul and take one for the team mm. and lead out front and like will through will and sacrifice uh create 
investment on behalf of the rest of the team. That's really resonated with me. And I think that's what you're talking about. Just like saying, Hey, you know, I'm taking, I'm taking ownership. I'm not beneath anything here because I'm not. So I love that. That totally resonates with me. Related thought. I've been doing some writing lately and sometimes I'll start reading a book, not because I want to read the whole book, but like I've already read it. I just need a hit of that. So I was taking a hit of, of, of deep, deep work by Cal Newport as I've been doing some writing and hearing him talk about how challenging it is for, for creatives to do something like the act of writing. How does that, do you think, like relate to UA? Even if you're good at writing and it's your career and your passion, people get writer's block, right? Like the cognitive... The, the deep, hard cognitive work can feel kind of heavy, I think, for, for everybody. Damn, that's a great question, man. I've, I've felt that. And I don't know. So I thought about that in my particular case with songwriting, because I think mm -hmm. like that's one of my unique abilities. But like, to be honest, like some days I don't feel like it. And like, I think if you go to Michael Jordan, he, uh, I would say it's fair to say his unique ability is basketball but he probably didn't feel like th hitting free throws like right. after, before and after practice. Yeah. You know? So, Hmm. That's really interesting. I think, I think maybe the, the, the thing that ties this together is you find the thing, the spaces where you're free and f in flow and passionate. That doesn't mean you're always going to be there, but those are like the things where the, mm -hmm. you have those feelings and you operate. And then you understand that there's, um, monotony and there's going to just have to be uh, days when you don't feel like doing it. And especially with something like create creativity, um, there, there's like a, it's a known thing, but it's like the resistance he calls in the war of art. It's like mm -hmm. the, something that just tries to keep you from creating stuff. Uh, yeah. And you just push through it. What do you think about that? Yeah, man, that totally makes sense. When I think about Kobe or some, or Jordan, I think about the commitment to the vision they were clear on the vision and why it mattered. And that commitment carries you through being at low points and doing the things that you don't want to do. This, the idea of discipline to me is not enough. Like, Oh, I'm going to do this for discipline because discipline's good for its own sake. I mean, I, I get that and I value discipline, but there's gotta be a vision. There has to be mm -hmm. a compelling thing that you are trying to manifest that, you know, thing you are trying to become or a place you're trying to, get i would say a destination i'm trying to get which is a proxy for the kind of journey i want to have that will lead me to become the kind of person that i want to be that is what holds me in place related idea the idea of a company vision uh eos kind of gets at that with the the one pager vto you can look at this in a number of different ways. Cameron Harold, the guy that wrote Double Double, has a concept called the Vivid Vision, which is like a six or seven page glossy high def doc that talks about what life in reality will look like three years from now and goes into great detail. There's some polish on it. Jeremy over at RentScale uh, exposed me to this idea and, and we did it, dude. And I'm so happy with the results. And it was not, I'm not just happy because it was like something we did for the team. It helped me get clear and taste and see what the future could look like. I want to send that to you, get your feedback on it. Um, and I want to do that for my other companies, but have you done anything like that? What's your, what's your thoughts on like the importance of the fidelity of the vision? 
Yeah, I love that. And I love this question because I'm wrestling with this right now. So EOS doesn't particularly, well, it talks about vision in the sense of vision, traction, organizer, but it doesn't say like, like the purpose from what I understand is the vision because you have the measurables, mm-hmm. but like, that's what I asked uh, the lady we're working with. Actually, I was like, we have these measurables, but is that a compelling enough vision is like X million? Mm-hmm. Like, is that compelling to the team is like 200 doors? Like, you know, like this stuff is not exactly. So, you know, some other book I came across, it was like, you got to have mission, vision, and purpose. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mission, vision, purpose. So we decided, so I did a lot of work and I'm like, okay, our mission, our purpose is life improved. That's what it's always been. It's like, we improve lives by reimagining the property management experience. Um, our mission is being remarkable. So like, I think I got that, like after hearing Jay bear, like I was like, the only way we're going to like be, become what we want to become is if we offer, if we're actually remarkable at what we do. And the vision is becoming our own biggest client. Like one day we want to become our own biggest client. And, um, and so, but I started to like waver on that. Cause I'm like with the market right now, like we're not buying a bunch of property. Like we're actually waiting, like, you know, mm-hmm. so I was just like, is this like a compelling vision? And, um, I don't know. I, like, I know I hear as the job of a leader is to, to like have a compelling vision and make sure everybody knows it. And so I feel like I've kind of like failed a little bit as far as that in my company. And I'm kind of trying to like, cause I don't want to like, Oh, here's the new vision. Like, Oh, that vision was no, here's the new vision. Like, so I'm very cautious to not change things. Cause that's my, yeah. Just yeah. Stuff. But like, I've already noticed known from my talk with Adam, one of my key people, when he confided to me, he's like, dude, like, I don't, it made me think like, do we know what we're doing? Cause when you change like this big strategic thing. So I think it's important, but, um, man, it's difficult. And then like Jason Goldberg told me about purpose. He's like, people always say, what's my purpose in life? He's like, dude, your purpose is going to change. Like mine's a verb. He's like, don't beat yourself up if it changes. Um, like it would be like trying on a pair of shoes when you're six and then you're like, Oh, I have to buy new shoes. Like, when I'm 10, it's like you grow out and your purpose changes, but, um, that's a little bit of a rant on that, but I don't know. Like, so you got a lot out of the vivid vision. Do you think your team, like, did you roll it out to your team? Uh, I did. And obviously a gap from perception versus reality. I'm not in their brain, but the reaction was fantastic. And I think that flavor wise, how this is different than VTO is it's not just a bunch of metrics. I feel, and I think that especially if you're a team, if your team is like you, then I just have to assume that those numbers are not enough. Cause I mean, like for me and you as the business owner, like there's a financial outcome associated with it for the team member, increasing revenue threefold. Like, is that really materially going to make my life better? So this is very much non-numerical. This is all about day-to-day life, working here, experience, activities, how we show up in the community. I mean, I guess you could, you could talk about whatever you want, but those are some things we focused on. So it's specific enough that it gives you a, vis- a visceral, palpable feel of what reality would look like at that phase. And that to me was what made it feel way more real and specific and like something I could really interact with. But as with all of these exercises, you got to come back to it. If you don't come back to it, if you don't come back to the forecast, Mm -hmm. if you don't come back to the VTO, this stuff is worthless. So we're planning on reviewing it quarterly. 
Yeah. And if you don't go over it with the team, if they don't know it, um, that's the other thing is the team needs to know all this stuff. And so at our quarterly performance reviews, we're like, we asked them, we're like, Hey, what's, what's our mission, vision and purpose. And it's funny, like half of the team gets it. And I'm like, that's on me. Like I'm a failure of that. <laughs> like you need to know this. Um, yeah. So give me, can you give me a, a part out of the, the, the vivid vision that kind of like excited you or maybe that you didn't realize you wanted initially or like it? Yes. Anything? Yes. So it was collaborative between me and, um, and Jeremy. He, first we came up with some bullet points and then we uh, fleshed those out further and we turned it into um, text and then we did a couple passes on that and then eventually it, it was all styled graphically. Um, but one example of something that was unanticipated, the thing that comes to mind was facilitating wealth for the team through real estate investment. Nice. And I love that for two reasons. The first of which being, I don't know anything about that. Like I don't have a real estate investing background. The how is completely unknown to me, but given our proximity to the industry to provide that opportunity of, you know, rather than something like a 401k, maybe through that, but rather than just like passive investment, providing a vehicle for team members to accrue wealth by participating in real estate investment, that's really exciting. And you're even closer running a PM company. This is a sales training organization, but that just like really turned me on to be able to create that outcome for yeah. other, other team members. So that was one thing that, that really we hadn't discussed, but through this act, we, we made, you know, we put it out there, man. Like you made a commitment. I've been hesitant in the past about talking about goals and planning because as soon as you put it out there, you, you risk failure. Like it may not happen, but I've gotten more comfortable over time, even if I don't know the how, and I have no idea how to do that, which, you know, was exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I think it is important, important to answer your question. I think, I think there needs to be a compelling vision. And I think I've personally fallen short of that. I think OBC becoming our own biggest client is a great vision. I think I haven't drilled it home enough. I think because of like, we were kind of humming and then like COVID happened. I'm like, shit, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a, I don't really want to buy anything right now. <laughs> like, let's see what happens. But that doesn't mean it's a long-term vision. It's a 10 year deal. So it's like, um, I could be doing a better job of saying, Hey, here's where we're at. Here's why we're paused. Here's what I think we can do in the meantime. Um, and here's why this is going to be great for a long-term success. And just talking about it more because, um, I can't remember the books, but certain books I've read about it. They're like, people should like be sick of hearing you talk about your mission vision. Like they should, it should be like so ingrained in their head that they're just like, it like, like anyone could say it in their, like in their sleep. Right. And, um, and I think that's true, but you, it needs to become, you need to do it in a way that actually achieves the purpose, which is yes. motivating them and showing what's in it for me, what's in it for them and tying it back to the why. Um, that's another thing with Jocko's book. That was great. It's like, and it's like Simon Sinek has start with why, but there's a micro uh, start with why. It's like each thing I give you, like one of the things that kicked off a big disagreement we had in sales and marketing was I, I told my marketing uh, lady, I was like, hey, do this. Like, just do this. Like, I just said, do this. <laughs> like, I'll make this change, do this. And it's kicked off this like argument. And um, she was like, well, if you would have told me like why you wanted that done, I would have been a lot more like, 
you know, like you didn't tell why. So it's like, people need to know why you want them to do man, things. Man. Know? Yeah. Well said. I feel like even people in their own roles, this is kind of arrogant, but I feel like I've brought people on in a certain role where I didn't have a respect for their chops. And I was mm-hmm. like, do this. And it's going to be a pain in the ass for me to explain why, because you don't have no clue what's going on. And they've grown and elevated over time. And it was, it was arrogant for me to do it then, but even more so now, like when they do have comprehension, it is disrespectful for me to just be like, just, just do it. You know, they're capable of grasping what's going on. They're more clued into to the day to day. Like they're closer to what's happening than I am. So I'm just going to show up and just be like, you know, do it. Cause I, I say so it, it's a small jump between that and, you know, do it. Cause I'm the boss. I'm the, I'm the emperor here. Yeah. Exactly. Going back to something um, and remind me of what we were talking about earlier with uh, dedicate. I think you said um, commitment, having commitment um, with like unique ability and pushing through things. I hate that word commitment. I've tried to use it. Like I've actually done the other few weeks ago. I was like, okay, I commit. I can't remember what it was, but I, I literally wrote it. I'm like, I commit to doing like this and this. Like I think it was like music or eating or something. I don't know. I literally like two days later, it like broke it. And cause I think commitment to me feels like a chain, like a, like a ball and chain, but I wanted to share another word that I actually like a lot better and it's dedication. Mm. And, um, mm. I got this random from this random YouTube video, this, this marketing guy that helps musicians grow. And he said, I think it was like, uh, get hundred Instagram followers, you know, I don't know. It was like some hack and he's like, but here's what you have to do. And he's like, and here's, here's the thing. This is easy, but half 90% of you aren't going to do it because it's hard. He's like, and here's how everything works. You start off with something and you're like, Oh, you're going to be like, this is easy. This is great. Then a couple weeks go by and you're going to be like, okay, this is kind of like staying consistent. You know, I'm going to stay consistent. Things are good. And then that's when everyone drops off. And then you get into the realm of dedication and you're like, okay, I'm, this sucks, but I'm, I dedicate, I'm dedicated to doing this. And I don't know, I just like a dedication, like hits my ego in a different way than like commitment. It's like, you're dedicated. Well, dude, like nobody, and it's funny as you say that nobody ever says, well, you dedicated yourself, but I feel like people do say, well, you committed. Right. You know? totally, it's like, totally. it's <laughs> like, is this going to come back to bite me in the ass? Like as like a ball and chain, I, I get what you're saying, like similar outcome, but like there's, there's definitely some nuance there. I dig that. Yeah. So. I try to find little words that sometimes a little shift in a word can, can really change things, you know? Yeah. I think about, um, sometimes at churches, people have their kid like dedicated, like, you know, like, like take your kid to the temple and have them like dedicated to this cause. Like it, there is almost something like kind of like sacred about like the pact that you make with yourself. I've been thinking about that lately with some habits. So you and I did that challenge at one point we did like a week long challenge where, yeah, I forget what you were doing, but I was exercising for for a week just because I needed a, a little bit of a, a jump start. Um, gosh, what was I on the next one? I was doing no news, by the way. No news, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dang it, I lost, I lost where I was going with that. <laughs> it's all right. I remember that challenge. We should do another one because uh, accountability partners. I actually did it, and that was actually really hard for me. Uh, yeah, I've, I've done some accountability challenges before and got something out. Oh, here's where I was going with it. So 
I find it really helpful to get off of the commitment thing you're talking about where it's like this self-imposed, like suffering in so much as commitment implies suffering. It's almost, sometimes it's almost like as soon as you say that you're committed, it's like, you just like take for granted, like therefore this must suck. You know, if I had to commit yeah. to do it, there must be some suffering involved as opposed to like the mental paradigm I'm in now, particularly at least with diet is like, I'm choosing to do this. And at any point, whenever I don't feel like it, I'm just going to stop, <laughs> you know, I'm in control. I'm doing this. No one's making me, if I don't like it today, eh, I'll just not do it. And with that as the subtext, I find it easier for me to be like, eh, you know what? I choose to. Yeah. Of, of my own volition, just out of the abundance of the heart. It's what I want to do rather than feeling kind of I'm co- coerced into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you get married, it's like a commitment. That's why they call it a ball and chain, I think. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, which sucks because it's totally not that. Um, I don't know. I think dedicating yourself to something is more noble. So so I, I like that. But yeah, I, I mean, a lot of this stuff in life is just slogging through the stuff and doing stuff. Like there's a big, everyone talks about doing stuff that makes you um, uncomfortable. Like all these high-performing people like take cold showers and like, you know, there's something to that. I think like I, Tim Ferriss takes it overboard. I like, he was saying like, he like sleeps on the street, like every cor- he like becomes homeless or something like, I, I like, that's like stoic to the nth degree. Good for him, baby. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. And, um, something that comes to mind for me for that was actually uh tuna fishing. So I just went tuna fishing with my dad and my two friends and we went on a day and a half boat and we had an awesome time, caught some big tuna. I always get kind of seasick. I don't puke usually, but I, I'm, it's always like picture like a day and a half of like pretty severe nausea. Like just not, I'm just nauseous like the whole time. And I'm like, wow. yeah, and I'm, but then I'm like, I have another one scheduled right after I'm like, I book another one. And I think the reason is, is like, there's a sense of accomplishment of going through that pain and like getting wow. the fish and like being with your friends and like doing something manly. That's probably like hits my ego or something. But, um, but I think there's something about like I'm um, being uncomfortable that helps build you up, right? I don't know. Yeah, for sure. No, it's totally resonates with me. It's a proxy. So it's not to say that doing something uncomfortable has intrinsic value. That's a turnoff to me. But to say that the things that are uncomfortable are a proxy for finding value creating activities that can lead to personal transformation. That, that works for me. I remember in high school, my dad talked about the importance and the value of higher math because of how hard it was. And I was like, dad, I think working on a chain gang would build character. Like that doesn't mean it's a good use of time. Mm-hmm. So suffering for the sake of suffering, I don't know, at this stage of my life, I don't know, not a huge turn on, but saying that those activities associated with that are likely to cause you to grow and you know, being selective. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to Clint the other day about um, morning routines. And I told him that I was using a five minute journal, but that to be honest, I'd gotten off of it. I like felt bad telling him to that because he got it for me. <laughs> like I got off of it for a while because I was like, it was just another thing with the morning routine. I'm like, that's like the last thing I need is some other. And he's like, told me, he's like, dude, that's so funny. He's like, me and Jake laugh about that all the time like we're doing freaking Wim Hof and then like all of a sudden your morning routine is like three hours long and you've got to like you've got like these things you got to do to like make it a great day like 
it's like insane, you know, it's to a certain degree. Oh my like, goodness. People Dude. like us, we can go overboard, bro. Totally. It feels, it feels like crew crusader mentality. The other day, dude, somebody reached out and they asked me if I was still doing something that I, I like, I mentioned that I had done at one point on this show. And it was so funny. Cause I was like, huh? Oh yeah. Like I did that for a minute. <laughs> I'm not doing it now, but that's what I love about this conversation is like, this isn't like performance art, you know, like I get uncomfortable being in context or situations where I feel like mid midway through, I, I gain the awareness that like I'm engaging in theater or, or performance to be perceived yeah. some kind of way. Um, so totally. Here's the other thing I think about with this. So um, I went to a meeting, an AA meeting recently with a friend and I don't really go to meetings anymore. And uh, dude, the meeting was so freaking good. I learned like two life changing things. I'm like, dude, I might like, work the steps again and go back because like it's like free therapy where people are actually like honest oh man and like it's free and now it's on zoom like i didn't even have to leave my house it was like just so awesome and uh the guy the leader's topic was selfishness and like the the thing in AA, it's like when you're drinking like you're so selfish like everything's about you and you think like the world just revolves around you right and like Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of suffering comes from and uh I was just thinking in my own life, like, where am I being selfish? Like, and then right after that, I was late to take my son and my dog for a walk. I take him for a walk every morning. And then I was like, oh, wait, but I got to get my jump roping in. So my son like sat there and watched me jump rope for like five minutes while like, like waiting. He was like watching me. <laughs> and I was like, do I get it? I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, it's just little things like that. Like, I think my morning routine and things like early on in my life, it was like success at all costs. And it's like, dude, that's such a selfish way to live. It's like, do I really have to hit my morning? Like, so now I'm just really trying, even if I'm not like doing great at it, I'm just trying to take a pause and be like, okay, how could I be 5% less selfish today? Like, (laughs) Mm. okay, I'm going to put my son to bed. I'm going to tell my wife, like, I'll put him to bed tonight. You know, just like Mm. little things like that. And maybe that's like the key to happiness and, and success in life after a certain point, because you realize you run yourself ragged and it's like all these extra things, like taking the focus off myself actually gives me some energy. Dude, being focused on others is incredibly fulfilling. The thing that you said about being successful at all costs early in life, that resonates with me. And I think about the way that I rationalized it, the way I rationalized it was like, man, I'm doing this for my family, you know, like at all costs, work all hours, hundred hours a week, by any means necessary. Once you get to a point of success where you can't use that as the excuse anymore, you know, like there's no question you're going to be able to pay your bills. I feel like that's where the underpinnings of a good, healthy existential crisis can begin. Cause it's like, Oh man, I don't have the crutch of just saying like, I'm doing this to provide. And I feel like that's what life, I feel like that's kind of what gave some, some definition to the archetypal differences of the previous generation like past generations were kind of like these stoic hard asses because they were just trying to survive but now it feels like there's just more us experiencing the fruits of previous generations has put us at the loggerheads of a real dilemma because we're having to understand and question what to do with all this um bounty that was created yeah all this freedom and all this easy life so what is important to us or what we go after is change right it used to be food and just survival and now 
it can almost, I think it's overcorrected because now people have too much time on their hands. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to go down that hole, but yeah, man, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Like big, big topic change there, but <clears throat> so there's that. All right, man. Well, what do you got coming up? What do you got going over the next month? Did we talk about the fact that I'm moving? No, where are you moving? I am moving from Austin. I'm going to be in El Paso for a month and then I'm going to be doing a, a road show, doing some traveling and destinations are not fully mapped out, but um, I like to do a little bit of international travel and what perfect timing, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> So wait, roadshow like a personal with your family or business? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally, totally just personal Got with it. the family. So we're just we're just up for some adventure. And so we're gonna do a number of months of travel and kind of it's not fully agenda is not fully mapped out, but the first month is we'll navigate the rest from there. So I am focused on that, doing that well. You know, there's like logistical can be a logistical nightmare. Too. Yeah, totally. Uh, handle all that so supporting sarah with all that um that's like front and center that and supporting the leaders that are stepping up and really making sure that i am supporting them and giving them every everything that they need for them for me to feel good about holding them fully accountable to what's been laid at their feet that's what my next month looks like what do you got coming up so i bought a camper i think i might have told you that a little pop-up tent trailer Ooh. We, yeah so we're stoked we're going camping this weekend uh in a couple well we were going to go to grand canyon next weekend but or not next weekend next month but uh the family backed out so we do have one trip up up california coast that we're gonna do after that and um yeah man i'm just trying on the business front to like you said grow leaders um i want to spend most of my time just like thinking and just kind of mapping out the vision and, and helping them be successful like, I don't want to do this on my own. That's my new game. That's my new, that's lighting me up. It's like, how do I get them in the right position to just make this thing blow up? And um, yeah, so that's what I'm focused on. More leadership books now. <laughs> there we go, baby. John Maxwell, 21 Laws of Leadership. There you go. Long list. All right. It's a pleasure as always. If you were listening from home and you read a fantastic book that moved the needle please email steve or i we'll check it out we'll give you a shout out let's uh let's keep the book sharing going love it later joe bye